Anyway, good morning. Um, thank you for being here this morning and being willing to listen to what hopefully God has given me to say to you. Um, isn't it just great to share communion, come and feed on Jesus and remember all that he's done for us and remind us that it's not about us, but it's about him. And uh, I'm frequently reminded of that in my life. Um, so without further ado, today's title, uh, as written by Graham, is Humble Servants. And the scripture we've got is the last section that we're going to be reading from 1 Peter. It's 1 Peter 5, verses 1 to 11. I'm going to read it to you from the message. So Mark is going to put that on the screen for us. Kindly prepared by Catherine. Looks great. <laughs> Nervous look from Catherine. Um, I have a special concern for you church leaders. I know what it's like to be a leader in on Christ's sufferings as well as the coming glory. Here's my concern, that you care for God's flock with all the diligence of a shepherd. Not because you have to, but because you want to please God. Not calculating what you can get out of it, but acting spontaneously. Not bossily telling others what to do, but tenderly showing them the way. When God, who is the best shepherd of all, comes out in the open with his rule, he'll see that you've done it right and commend you lavishly. And you who are younger must follow your leaders. But all of you, leaders and followers alike, are to be down to earth with each other. For God has had it with the proud, but takes delight in just plain people. So be content with who you are and don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same Christians all over the world. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. It won't be long before this generous God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans they are, will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Amen. Amen. Is that enough? Can I sit down? <laughs> um, think about that bit in the middle, you know, God's had it with the proud but takes delight in just plain people. Be content with you are, don't put on airs. If anyone who knows me well thinks I'm putting on airs this morning... Please stop me. Um, so I, I get to conclude 1 Peter, which is a privilege. Um, I think there's been a theme running through the book that stands out to me, uh, which is that whatever our position, whether we're a leader, whether we're a husband, whether we're a wife, whether we're a child, whether we're a servant, whether we're a master, whether we're a worker, submit to one another. Regardless of your position, regardless of your status. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Don't put on airs. He'll promote you at the right time. And whatever it is that you're doing in your role, carry it out as if you're doing it for God himself. Even if your master, the person you're doing it for, isn't a very good person. It's a tricky one, that one. Humble servants. Just take you back to the title. That said... We're not going to do a verse-by-verse -verse expansion of the passage today. Um, 
it fits in with those topics and themes that we've already covered. And instead, I want to share with you something that God's been showing you in my life that fits with humble servants and does fit with the passage, but isn't an expansion of it. And if you want to look at the, the passage some more, it's absolutely great. You could look at it at home, you look at it in your small group, I encourage that. Um, something I'd just like to put out there at the beginning, really, God doesn't treat us as we deserve. Communion is just such a great reminder of that. Um, we're going to talk about deserving things a bit this morning, but God doesn't treat us as we deserve. I read that somebody said the worst prayer you can pray is, God, please give me what I deserve. <laughs> you all know what that might be? <laughs> Hell. <laughs> God, just give me what I deserve. <laughs> Thankfully, God didn't give us what he deserves. He gave us Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Who feels they're living that life? One, two. I want that promise. Uh, what does it say in the NIV? Live life and live it to the full. Um, Jesus promised that we might have life, yet sometimes life, to me, doesn't always feel like I'm getting what I was promised. And uh, we're going to expand that a little bit now. A short while ago, I was talking with some friends and... Um, I was reminiscing how some years back, I didn't know how good I got it. You know, life was, life was good, looking back. And, um, you know, it's not like that now. But if only, if only I'd recognised what it was like at the time, and if only it was like that now, and I could just be reliving those years, you know? You've maybe got a time that you would go back to, or you maybe look forward to a time that's going to be, when I've done X, Y, Z, it's going to be... You know, when I've, when I've done that, when I've finished this, when I've retired, when I've had children, when I've got married, when I've whatever, life will be what I want it to be. But a wise friend um, who's on the front row said to me, Emily, um, you need to watch out what you're saying. In a few years' time, you might look back at now and say, those were good times. And you might never enjoy the moment that you're in. And um, she was right. We've got to watch out. So I suppose I'm not the best at living in a state of gratitude. I, I try and, Mark will testify to this, I try and eke the most out of everything. Any situation, I want to fine-tune it to be the best. I love cooking, and if I'm cooking, I, I wouldn't want to just cook to eat. I want to cook because I want to enjoy it and make the best meal I can, and I'll, I'll probably critique what I've done afterwards and in the process spoil any pleasure that there was, perhaps. <laughs> um, I try and get the best outcome, and I, and I analyse it afterwards. And I suppose no wonder the past or the future, when I've forgotten the detail, look better than the present. Is it just me? Just me that suffers with this one, yeah. It is just me. Um, so today's buzzword for me, that if you remember nothing else and just remember this word in your lives this week, is entitlement. I think entitlement is the cause of rot in our lives that, that leads to discontent, unhappiness, dissatisfaction. Um, I'm going to try and give a couple of examples. Uh, I've tried to give them from my own life and I've tried to be honest, but 
we'll try and expand in a minute as well. So I'll give one from Hannah's life first, because it's, it's always easier talking about somebody else. Ruth took Hannah on a shopping trip recently to Sainsbury's, which is pretty exciting. And um, I know what that problem is. Only turn that up when we play the video. Um, I'll show you how to fix it afterwards. Um, so Ruth took Hannah shopping to Sainsbury's and put the shopping in the boot of the car, as you do. She came home from the shop. Little did Ruth realise Hannah was expecting to watch the shopping come out the boot of the car and go in the house. She had set her heart upon it. She felt entitled to watch the shopping come out the boot of the car. She probably deserved it. Unfortunately, Ruth didn't know about this. So Ruth took the shopping out the car before taking Hannah out the car. So Hannah couldn't watch. She was in her seat. Ruth put all the shopping in the house. Ruth then filmed Hannah's reaction. The echo makes that almost haunting. Um, Ruth's keen that I point out she did try and calm her down before videoing her, which I don't know if that makes it better or worse. <laughs> Other than you weren't just thinking, yeah, this is funny. It was after giving everything else a try, so I may as well record the moment. I think Hannah was feeling, it's not fair. I want, I want what I expected. I want what I was entitled to. And um, I guess as adults, we feel like that. Occasionally we behave like that. Maybe we show it in a different way. Maybe we're going to a quiet sulk that we deserve and we're entitled to. Um, I found that for me, um, you know, I spent 25 years of my life single before getting married. And I, I kind of set marriage as this kind of, this idol, this thing to attain. And um, it <laughs> Ruth's here. It's not all it's cracked up to be. Um, <laughs> it's just me again. Ruth's fine. <laughs> the, <laughs> the problem is, and she knows roughly what I'm going to say here, the problem with it is that for 25 years, I built up my expectations of what marriage would be. I decided what I deserved within marriage, and I decided what was fair. And yes, I keep score. <laughs> I maybe don't actually have a chalkboard, but in doing certain things, I'm expecting something back. And I, once again, I'm probably the only person that does this in life, marriage or otherwise. And when I don't get, you know, a fair number of points back, you know, you've, it's got to be fair, we love fair, then I maybe get a bit sulky or a bit quiet or 
really struggle with this sense of entitlement that life isn't going as it should and it's not fair. And even, as you'll see in this talk, when, when you get to a point where you realise the folly of your ways and decide to stop keeping score and just love with no agenda, which we'll come on to, really I am still keeping score. I've just said I need to do more before I expect something back. John Farron said it'd be great if people looked like they're engaged the other week. Does anybody identify? Yeah. Thanks, Kath. <laughs> um, I, I run a business and maybe I have certain expect, expectations as an employer of my staff. And um, It turns out I can't control what they do. I can't control the outcome. I can't guarantee that my desires are fulfilled. I can't guarantee that staff will do exactly what I want. I can't guarantee that they won't steal from me. I can't guarantee that they would represent the business I want. Despite working hard, despite putting my bit in, I don't necessarily get back what I feel I deserve, what the business deserves. As a church leader, Graham, do those members behave as, as you're entitled? I'm in control. Yeah, you are, yes. <laughs> you're entitled, yeah. <laughs> And you never feel like you're entitled to a certain response from them. <laughs> Little bit. <laughs> okay. So it's not fair, no, okay. So we maybe feel entitlement in other areas too. Um, you can normally spot it by the it's not fair feeling, much like Hannah exhibited for us. By the way, don't mention that to her. I didn't ask her permission. And uh, it's still a slight sore point. So... Uh, um, the other way that you can spot it is when actually something good happens to us and we don't really appreciate it because it's what we were entitled to. So if I'm entitled to um, have a cooked dinner ready when I get home today and that's what's there, then I might not appreciate it because that's just what was right. I deserve that. Um, if I uh, feel that I'm entitled to be driving a £10,000 car and that's what my employer gives me to drive or, or what have you, then... That's just the way it is. There's nothing special. But if they give me a £5,000 car, maybe I'll be disappointed, even though they've given me a car. Can we spoil good things that come by expecting something different? Maybe your salary isn't what you'd like it to be. Maybe your pension performance hasn't turned out the way you'd expected. Maybe you'd like that promotion or that, that other job that someone else got. Maybe your house isn't, isn't the way you'd want it to be or isn't where you want it to be. Maybe you'd like your spouse to be different or be somebody else's spouse. <laughs> or not have one. Maybe cues should always be fair. Maybe people should always understand what matters to you. Maybe people should always know and that I'm entitled to how I feel and that they know that. Um, I, I guess you can probably think of more examples. I'll, yeah. So what causes it? Um, I think three things for me have caused entitlement in my life. My experiences growing up, my upbringing. You know, you maybe get used to a certain family setup and a way that things happen. And if in adult life things are different to that when you marry somebody and find their whole family's way of going or you don't marry somebody or 
life turns out differently, you have a different type of job to your parents had and there's a different amount of money or whatever the changes are, life is different sometimes when you're an adult and when you're growing up. And I think our upbringing can lead us to a sense of entitlement that we get something similar to what we got comfortable with. Um, I think other people cause a sense of entitlement as well. We look at Graham and we think, wow. <laughs> I just had to pick on someone and you were right there, Graham. If I had Graham's sense of dress, I would be complete. Amen. Sorry, <laughs> I picked on the wrong thing. Um, but yeah, other people's stuff, other people's family, other people's spouse, other people's happiness, other people's content, other people's faith. We, we maybe decide that if they've, they've got something that we perceive, then we, we also are entitled to it. Um, and then also, thirdly, how about the things that we let enter into our minds? The things that we, uh, you know, it says in the Bible that our eyes are uh, a window to the, to the soul. And what do we let in, you know, through television, radio, books, internet, gossip, any other source of input? what do we focus on? Because actually, we end up idolizing the things that we think about. And I'm just gonna add now, really, that fantasy, one definition would be everything that isn't a part of our life. Everything that you don't have and isn't real. Um, so, yeah, being single if you're married would be a fantasy. Being married if you're single might be a fantasy. Um, having a, a job that you don't have. Um, wearing trousers when you've got shorts on. Um, that's not reality. The reality is I'm wearing shorts. And um, a very kind of Christianese word now that I feel the need to, to define is covet. You know, we covet things. So we yearn to possess, especially something belonging to somebody else. Uh, that makes it better. When Hannah's playing with toys and she wants one that someone else is playing with, but didn't want it till the moment she was playing with it, it just tells us when someone else wants something or has something, it must be better than what we have or better than it was before they had it. Um, so our reality is our life. Our reality is the place that God has put us, the job that we have, the house that we live in, the income that we have, uh, the level of happiness that we have, the mental stability we do or don't have, etc. I, I could expand and I could offend people because I haven't experienced the hard things you've experienced. I've experienced my own set. Um, and I could talk for a long time, so I, I won't. Um, but when we compare reality to the fantasy that we have coveted in our minds, we get disappointed and dissatisfied. And our sense of entitlement that we've built up through those things that we've put in isn't met. However, when we compare our reality to the nothing that we deserve and the everything that we've received in Christ... All of a sudden, the reality of how blessed we are can absolutely come and hit us. And that becomes the motivation for living differently, not the trying harder motivation, which fails, I've found. Um, entitlement breeds dissatisfaction with life. And in some situations, I think if you get what you want, having already decided that that's what you're coveting and then you get it, it actually builds pride in us. Both are really, really ugly. Both will harm our relationship with God. 
not help us recognize the blessing that we all live in and all that he's done for us. It doesn't help you experience the promise of life that Jesus gave in John 10.10. The life that he promised isn't getting everything that you want. Trying to convince Hannah. When we're not feeling entitled, we're free to live in the now, not the yesterday or the future that we sometimes think might be better. Um, it says in, in Matthew 6, 34, um, which is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and in the message it says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Stay in the now, live in the now, it's all you've got. You can't go back. We don't know what will happen tomorrow. And if we live in the now, it will change your life. The thing that's hit me these few weeks and the reason that I'm sharing this is that in the marriage example that I gave, the seven years in, the danger to keep score, the danger to um, have a tit-for-tat kind of relationship is as strong as it's ever been. And if you... Um, If you keep putting a, an, a fantasy onto your spouse of what they might be or what they might do or what they might say or how you might feel about the way they love you and how they give you their time, but don't actually look to them and to God, but look to this image in your mind that you have built, this picture, then you miss what you've got. And you instead start to feel entitled to being dissatisfied. And I've actually read books like The Five Love Languages, and you read it possibly with the right intentions of wanting to love your spouse better. But what you can hear, if you're really not careful, is if you love your spouse this way and find out how, then you'll get more back than you ever expected. <laughs> So that becomes your motivation. It's like sowing and reaping. And sowing and reaping is true. It's a spiritual law. I believe it. It's a physical law. God made it. It works. But God also judges the heart. And if we are putting into something selfishly, only because we want to get something back the way we want it, and using a book like The Five Love Languages, like a stick uh, to beat with, then... It's not going to work. You're going to be more dissatisfied and you're going to feel more entitled. So for me, and the example that I'm giving that you could apply to any of the situations in your life where you feel entitlement is to love and give expecting nothing back. And now I think there's somebody mentioned in the Bible that set a precedent for this. Mentioned in the Gospels, I think, and throughout everywhere else too. Um... Jesus didn't die on the cross once we'd done her bit, once we'd done our bit. It wasn't like fair cop. He didn't deserve it, and we weren't entitled to it. Jesus died on the cross while we were still sinners. It, it wasn't just feelings or words. It was a love that was demonstrated by action. It was messy, bloody, and painful. And there was absolutely zero guarantee that anybody would accept the message except the gift. 
that God gave in Jesus. There was no guarantee. He did it if only one person would accept it. He did it for me. Amen? You know what? He wasn't keeping score. He didn't have a chalkboard. In fact, God was putting the chalkboard in the bin when Jesus died on the cross. He rubbed it out for once and all. Uh, in Philippians um, 4, 12-ish in the message, these precise verses in the message, have you? it's a bit awkward, but uh, Paul says, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learnt by now how to be quite content whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. And we just go back to today's scripture as well. Uh, 1 Peter 5, uh, the middle section. Um, it says, you know, again, God has had it with the proud, but takes delight in just plain people. And let's face it, we're all just plain people, really. None of us are any better than the rest of us. None of us are something special. We're all normal. Sorry about that. Apparently I'm normal too. Um, Be content with who you are. Don't put on airs. God's strong hand is on you. He'll promote you at the right time. Can we trust God about that? Live carefree before God. He is most careful with you. And I think my question today, in summing up, would be, do you want to live always wishing that your life was better than it is? Or do you want to spend your life in the conscious knowledge of just how blessed you are now? Without being different, without changing, without when you achieve something, without the way it was in the past when things were better. Um, It's a hard message. We need God to to help us. It's not about sucking it up or trying harder. It's really not. I've tried that so many times in the Christian walk about my effort. It doesn't cut it. So I'd like to pray for everybody. And after that, Mike's going to come and play some gentle music. We specifically finished the talk a bit earlier today so that we can have a chance to respond to what God might be doing in you. And we have a prayer team. There's two bits of prayer today. Prayer for healing and encouragement will be after the service outdoors. Now, outdoors. If you want to receive prayer for healing and encouragement, head outdoors. If you want to respond to what God's been doing in you through this message this morning and would like prayer about these issues... Um, then there's going to be some people come to the front we'll maybe clear a few chairs and clear communion away and there'll be a chance while there's some music to either sit quietly and reflect to pray with someone near you or to respond and I just want to say so often I feel like I should come and get some prayer and I feel for a million and one reasons that I can't things get in the way be them children be them commitments be them what it looks like to other people whatever it is and it's all from the enemy. <laughs> I, I don't want you to come up to make me feel good about some people coming up today. If you need to respond, respond where you are um, or come up and get prayed for. 
But if God's putting something in you that says you need some prayer and there's something in this for you today, then don't be proud. Come and, come and get the prayer. Um, so yeah, Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that those words that are directly from you would just go home. It says that your word is sharper than a two-edged sword. Those words that are from me, God, I just pray that they'd be forgotten. They're not worth anything. God, I just pray that if there's areas in, in my life where I need to look for more entitlement, find out where it is and ask you to help kill it, then I just pray that you'd highlight what those areas are. And I pray that for anyone else that wants to join in that prayer this morning. Just highlight in us, God, the new work that you want to create, the areas of our life that you want to transform, the bits of us that you want to put to death and then redeem for your kingdom. I pray that we wouldn't hear this message like looking in the mirror see the changes that need making and then walk out and forget all about it i pray this morning god that you would help us live differently you'd help us love like jesus loved and i pray that it would be out of the grace that you give us through your holy spirit out of um your love for us as motivation god not out of our motivation of what we might get back i pray that we would see the blessings that you've put in our life and that we would be able to receive them gratefully and not be self-deprecating uh, and not wanting to receive the blessings and be honest about the good that you have put in our lives. Thank you, God, for your word. Amen.